fucking deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucking deep. Bless you, boys. Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable. Fucking deep. Put it in deep. Off the bench comes Caulfield. Shooting scores. The kids done it again. Cole Caulfield. Game winner. Montreal. Put it in deep. You know, getting pucks deep, putting the puck deep. Put pucks in deep. You can never go wrong with getting pucks in deep. Just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out. Getting pucks deep. Pucks in deep. Pucks in deep. Puck deep. Pucks deep. Keep getting pucks deep. All right, everybody, welcome back. Pucks in Deep podcast. It's episode 80. That's right. We are back on the airwaves. We're doing it remotely. It's raining outside every goddamn day. Let's go. Glad to be back with you, my friend, even though we're not physically together here. I can't wait till we can do that. But at least we're back here. We're recording. I'm looking forward to it. We got a ton of shit to get to today. As the listeners could hear, the beauty overtime goal by Cole Caulfield yes against our beloved Toronto Maple Leafs but hey you got to give some respect where it's due right and that shot was pretty nasty welcome back my friend yeah it was an unreal shot and uh, I knew it was only a matter of time till we saw that kid rip one like that on the Leafs and Montreal's got to be pretty excited about getting a player like that right before the playoffs that's that's like a looking like a Oh, you know what they call it, own rental or deadline ad through internal acquisition there. Yeah, and you see that on a, you know, almost on a yearly basis for some teams, whether it's injuries or cap circumvention, cough, Tampa, yeah. cough, <laughs> you know, yeah, some, own some rental. young stud coming out of college. <laughs> um, really good for them too as far as the cap goes because I know that I read a little bit about it last week that they're just in some kind of cap hell right now, like, to the point where they weren't dressing Romanov because they, they needed to get some other guys in. And it was just with the compounded with the injuries they've had to Gallagher and now Weber, I think things have gotten a little bit complicated for them on, on a night to night basis in terms of the roster. So yeah, of course. And you got, there. you got they Drew and sorry, you got Drew and too, right? Taking a leave of absence. Not quite sure what's going on there. Wish him the best, but yeah, there's been some, uh, you know, tumultuous uh, events happening here or a period of time for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, you know, actually, they wanted to have Cole Caulfield in the lineup. I think it was almost three weeks ago now, Lesko. I, I was still in the regular season fantasy league with the boys from Sirius, friends of the show, Tyler Mataraz, Jay Kahn, Nick Alberga, those lads. Uh, you know, I was uh, looking forward to Cole Caulfield making his debut, and then it turned out like 45 minutes after they called him up that they couldn't even dress the guy. Like, I mean, talk about... Having, I don't know, maybe they need a guy like Brandon Pridham there to be like, hey, uh, you know, we can't play this guy tonight, eh? Like, why, yeah. why are we calling this guy up? We can't even play him. <laughs> it seems like the uh, that's that's the thing. If you're going to be up against the cap in the NHL right now, it's such a delicate dance, and it seems that perhaps their long term planning isn't where it needs to be, because uh, really they shouldn't have ran into this problem, given that they're not as they're not as cap constrained as say like the lightning or the maple leafs or the right. Vegas gold knights right who seem to be you know striking that delicate balance and not screwing themselves over having to make you know poor lineup decisions simply because of the cap 
Right, absolutely. Now, listen, before we dive too much in here, obviously we got a lot to talk about. We got to talk about Tom Wilson. We're going to get there. Don't you guys worry. As a matter of fact, let's go. That uh, snipe from Cole Caulfield was so disgusting last night that after the game, the NHL announced that they were fining Tom Wilson $25,000 for that goal by Cole Caulfield. Pretty, pretty significant penalty there. Yeah, they got to get right after him, eh? <laughs> they got to get him any way they can. Anyway, listen, before we get too far into it here, how you been, my man? Like, let, let's shoot the breeze a little bit. What's up? We, like, fuck. It's funny because we haven't seen each other or barely even talked in the last few weeks, probably since we recorded. Besides, right. like, little bits of here and there stuff related to the show. Or during so, the game, yeah, whatever. I think the only unrelated podcast or Maple Leafs text I sent you was to tell you that your yard was a fucking mess when I drove by the other day. <laughs> Dude, if I could have reached through the phone and strangled you, I would have. I would have done that. And then I think my your yard guy that cuts you deep. I think Kirsty like told me. Somebody told me my grass is too long. That would cut me deep. I think Kirsty would have been right behind me with her feet up your ass, like because like okay, yeah. Obviously, my yard is a mess. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware, uh, you know we've talked about it here on the. Pucks and Deep podcast, episode 80, by the way. Josh Coleman, Adam Lesko. Find us on Twitter, at Lesko Adam, at Coleman42, at PuckPod. You know, we've talked about it over the years, Lesko. We started off in my little uh, rental house in Pembroke, and then I've, I moved out to this, you know, beautiful old farmhouse with a ton of work ahead of it, and now that work is ongoing, and you saw it when you drove by. Yeah, you, I mean, we you ripped had, like, down a building? Yeah, we tore off that summer kitchen, that old hundred and some year old summer kitchen that was just basically falling away from the house anyways. It had to go. Yeah. We got a demo permit. We we tore up all the farmer's fence, uh, which they were happy about because there's like these crazy ass vines growing and it's ruining their crops and stuff. So they were pumped about that. And we don't have to put one back up, which is really cool, dude, because now like our lawn will just become a corn field. field. Yeah, yeah. Our lawn will just become corn. So we're looking forward to that. But yeah, I mean, there were dumpy trailers. It was full of bricks and rock and mortar. And, and you know, there was a wood bin and a fucking garbage bin. And you drive yeah, by so and go, yeah, hey, bud, your yard is a fucking mess. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> thanks, tips. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm telling you. And then I think it was only maybe, geez, it was later that day or the next day, very soon after that, another buddy of mine who just lives up the road from me, he shoots me a message and he goes, Hey bud, just drove by yard is looking fantastic. Big changes, big changes. He says, way to go. And I, I message him back and I go, that's the message that I want to get, you know, two different people. Eh? Yeah. Two different well, people. Talk to me when it's done. <laughs> well, listen, by the time you end up, by the time you end up able to come back over here and we can record at the farmhouse, we might have a goddamn pool by then. Ooh, well, that might get me there quicker anyway. <laughs> no so, kidding. So big enough to social distance, right? And not one of those little inflatable ring tube no, doohickeys from Walmart. Come on, eh? come on, man. You know what's up here. You know, you know, uh, yeah. you know I don't do things half-assed. But anyway, that's where I've been. It's been a hell of a, of a month, I would say. I mean, these days, bro, are just flying by there there are like luckily for me with with my job and my career there are some afternoons where I can kind of you know play hooky quote unquote and, and when I say that I I mean come back here and sweat my bag off for seven hours until the sun goes down the other day it was raining and I was almost in tears with happiness 
because <laughs> because I just couldn't be out there, you know. And and it's Maybe. like it's like I, I want to do it. I, I'm really excited about all the changes and everything. And listen, guys, uh, for the listeners out there, if you, honestly, if you're interested in checking this shit out, I know a couple people are. Um, you can find the my wife's uh, Instagram feed for the renovations and all that stuff. It's called at Valley Farmhouse. Uh, so you'll find that on, on Instagram and you can follow along if you want. There's some really cool videos on there of like the building getting demoed and all kinds of different shit. So it, it's a lot of work. It's super rewarding. But man, let's go. I mean, sometimes you just got to fucking sit down, put your feet up, you know, drink a pint, you know, smoke a joint, play some Call of Duty. <laughs> you know, like it was just when the rain hit, I was a little happy. But now it's got to go because it's all muddy and everything, and it's creating a disaster. So now I'm back on board trying to get out there. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because it is super rewarding, right? But I don't know. There's something where you said, like, I have difficulty even wrapping my head around tasks that I can't finish in a day or two. Right. So it's like if if it if the, if it involves more money and work than than that, it's like I'm, I'm paying someone to do it, and I'm just like fucking. I'm out of it. Well, that's exactly where we're at, right? Like, we don't have excavators. We don't yeah, have bulldozers. Big, yeah. Big like, machines in there, right? I think at one point, at one point, there was, like, we calculated, because it's actually a, a client of mine, again, you know, for our listeners, that I'm, I'm in the business of insurance, so he, he's a client of mine. Like, I insure him and his company and all his equipment. So it's kind of neat, right? It's coming full circle. Like, he insures his equipment, you know, through our brokerage, and I get him to come onto the property and do his business. I love that, Lesko. I'm sure you do too. Like you're, you're a good guy, local guy, right? Says that right on your Twitter, I think, you know, so like it's, it's nice to, you know, send that business around locally. And at one point he looked over at me and he was like, you know, I think we have about $650,000 worth of equipment on, on the property right now. And I said, thanks for letting me know. Or like, you know, thanks for the note. I'll make sure to lock everything up. Just because it's only a matter of time until like people are driving by and they're like, holy fuck. Like, you know, and I remember one of my buddies, Lesko, you know him. I won't call him out here on the pod, but you know him. He shoots me a text and he says, hey, listen, man, if, uh, if, if you don't know how to spend your money, you know, you can always shoot me some if you have too much. And, and, and again, I'm like almost mad about it because it's like, listen, bro, like you're, you're 35 years old. You know exactly that I don't have this money. <laughs> like this is not my money going into the property. It's someone else's money and I'm going to have to pay it back to them. Right. I mean, you know how it works. Yeah, it's, it's going to look real nice, though. I'm excited to see it there once, uh, once it comes around. So how are you coping with no golf, though, is a real question. Like, are you smashing balls into that farm field? Or no. What? So you see, from day one, I have refrained uh, from hitting. I think I've hit two golf balls into the field. And both times, it was because someone else did it, and I was trying to tell them not to. And, you know, they hit one, so fuck, I hit so one, you too. Had, you had but, to cancel it out. Yeah, exactly. So um, I have refrained from hitting golf balls into the field. But as far as like my itch, hitting that though, so. yeah, I was just going to say, as far as my itch is concerned, I have a really nice uh, putting mat that I, that I use. And the best part of my golf game is putting. So I really do enjoy putting time into that craft. So I'm, I'm itching. I'm scratching that itch by making putts and, you know, hitting into the net. But honestly, dude, lately, I don't even have time for golf anyways. Like, I, I would have had to skip. Yeah, you haven't been to uh, Island Bray just across the border? Am I allowed to say anything? Can I answer this honestly, or do I incriminate myself? 
I'm pretty sure it's legal. Okay, so. then yes, absolutely. Of course, I've went over there. I went over there last week. I would have went over there several <laughs> times already, but to be completely honest with you, I was a little bit um, uneasy, you know, for lack of a better they, term. They seem, they seem pretty busy considering, I guess, they're the only golf course in the Ottawa Valley that's open. Oh, right my now, God, so. dude. Every single person that golfs at Pembroke Shores was there. Yeah. Every single person that's that golfed at Pembroke surprising. Shores was there. It was it was nuts. Like, uh, now that being said, though, bro, like I went with you know our buddy Tom. Uh, shout out Tommy Saran. Call him at uh, Frank Carroll Financial. Um, you know we we went and it was fun and there was nobody around. It was me and him and that was it. Like, but yet I'm watching the news on CTV or whatever for five seconds when I, when I turn the TV on. And the first thing I see is like 700 fucking people walking down the walkway, passing each other, walking their dogs, walking the stroller with the double baby going on. Like, what is this? What the fuck is this? I don't even want to do this COVID thing right now. I guess I kind of just started it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that we're doing this. But like, why can, why can I walk down the street in Toronto and pass 76 people within, you know, 14 minutes but I can go golf for four hours and not come within an arm's length of one other human being. I hate Unreal, it. Man. They also banned Crownland camping, so there's not a whole lot of making sense of that. God but damn it. I guess if there's something we're trying to make sense of, or everyone's trying to make sense of right now in the hockey world, it's how the NHL deals with Tom Wilson. Oh, what a segue. Um, <laughs> I know, right? Like It's, it's unreal. I, I, it's funny because there, is there somebody who is like, as we'll say, like universally hated as much in the NHL right now as this guy. Like, I think you were hitting like Avery esque levels of hatred going on. Yeah, I think we're inching into, you know, Claude Lemieux or Dale Hunter or something. You know, um, you know, let's not beat around the bush. Let me ask you straight up what'd you think? Should he have been suspended or what? Like, what's your deal? I think he should have. I, I think I would have. Like, and I think he should have, but I understand the interpretation of the rules that led to him not being suspended. Okay. And it's it's pretty puss ass, and it's it's a half ass job because like the, I think this is one of the instances where it's completely legitimate to suspend him for for being Tom Wilson. Yes, and I agree with that I totally. I think it's frustrating too. Ray Ferraro had a good point on the radio earlier where he said. They used to do the explainers. They used to really say in detail, like, here's our logic behind this, why we find them, but they don't do that anymore. Yeah, when and, it was when it was Burke, right? Not 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 uh, well, Brian and, Burke. And Shanahan. Shan, you yeah. know, Shanahan put, used to put those out, right? Like right. the day of, to like, explain why they did what, right? And then so, Will Arnett posted those spoof videos about it, which were hilarious, by the way. Yeah, so I think that's got everyone pretty frustrated. And, you know, the fact that the fines are toothless makes it even worse. I mean, if we're talking like they could levy some serious fines on guys for you know, almost discretionary reasons, like you're being a piece of shit. Because that's a large part of what happened there last night, I think, with Tom Wilson, is that he's being a fucking asshole. And I think the NHL is like, can't really suspend him for being an asshole. We can't really suspend him for roughing. But I think they missed the mark and I'm not least hitting him with a couple games. And I fully expected them, him to probably get like five after the first time I watched it. Second time I watched it, I thought, nah, maybe a couple. And then when I heard it defined, I'm like, oh, that's not overly surprising either. Yeah. So I, I kind of, I, I'm not behind all the outrage for sure. Like, 
some people act like they never watched fucking hockey before out there. Well, calling for him to be gone, you know, for for life or even for the rest of the season and playoffs or like yeah, get no get a grip, get a grip. Well, what 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 league do you think this is? Like, I I don't understand why people even figured like that might be a, a possibility to happen. Like, I, I and I think people conflate like what they think the NHL will do with what they think they should do. <laughs> yeah, or what and, they would and, do. Or what they would do. It's like, you know, I see people like, oh, he's got to be gone for the year in the playoffs. Like, there's no way that's happening. Like, for, for what really what boils down to is like a punch in a scrum. And I actually thought the punch was more likely to result in a suspension because it was like a chicken shit cheap shot, you know? It was. Like, guy, it was. Guy face down on the ice and he fucking takes a jab at him. But I think what they said was, and which is not entirely wrong, it's like it was fucking not much. It wasn't it was. much. It, no, it wasn't right? much. And, 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 you know, I think the unfortunate thing here, too, is there, uh, you can't – the other thing is people point to the fact that it's Panarin. Yeah, I think they should do more to protect superstars, absolutely. But they don't take that into account. They have to treat it as if anybody else did it because yeah. they can't let their emotions be involved. I know, but here – so I'm glad you said anybody else did it because that's kind of where – you know, I've had lots of discussions with many different people throughout the day, and I'm glad you weren't one of them because we were about to discuss it here. So why are we going to talk about it twice? I was excited right. to hear your point of view. And before I go off on my big rant here, just simply yes or no, Lesko. Based on this isolated incident last night, what we saw, even though it is Tom Wilson, just last night, would you suspend that play? I think you still do, just because it's so egregious, you know. Okay. Like it was so it, there was there's too much going on there, and he was if you watched the game and stuff that built up to it too, he was pissed off earlier. Right. Right. Okay. Like this is this was like a boiling over. He lost his fucking temper out there. There's no doubt about that. Okay, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. I hadn't looked at it that way, but I'll take that into consideration. I'm glad you ended up saying that you would suspend him. You know, we know it's Tom Wilson. We are aware of his rap sheet. But let's just look at an isolated incident. Because for me, this isolated incident is non-suspendable by any stretch of the imagination. People are going to talk about him pulling the hair, which is yeah. very, which is true, right? He gets him. But I think it's very similar to when... Well, the NASA NHL concluded... That they that they didn't pull his hair though, like clearly. Well, I saw they I saw done something about but that. But I, I saw I saw super slow motion, uh, zoomed in on Twitter where he's fucking yanking him down. But let me continue. Yeah. Let me continue my but point. I mean, though. Have you tried to grab hair with a hockey mitt? I was ju- I was just gonna say <laughs> I don't think it was a I'm gonna grab this guy's hair like you might fish hook someone was, on purpose like he was him by the in head. a in a bar fight. I think it was yeah. very similar to when Nazem Kadri grabbed Joe Thornton by the beard, you know, and, right. and people wanted to point out that, oh, he did it on purpose. Like, no, he clearly did not, right? Like, even if Wilson got the back of the hair and the head with Panarin, I don't think he meant to do it. But what right. I do believe that he meant to do was try to inflict some pain or fucking dominate this player, which just because Panarin jumps on your back after you threw a cheap shot to Panarin's teammate. Let's make sure we put that in fucking brackets. Just because Panarin jumped on you doesn't give you the right to end his season, possibly end his career. 
Okay, yeah. and I don't want to put too much stress on stress on on end his season. There was fucking three games left, and they're out of the playoffs. It's not a big deal. People are acting like you know, like O Dog said today, it was a good point. People are acting like there's 35 games left, and they're in the hunt. You know, like no, like he's gonna miss the rest of the year just because they're fucking pointless anyways. But at the end of the day, they're lucky that that's all it is because something like that, you've seen those Lesko, you see them sometimes on viral videos or even in like the UFC and stuff when like, when, when guys get slammed in that manner with all that body weight kind of coming down on top of them, like that, that injury could be serious. And I, at this point, I'd almost rather you just punch him right in his face. Punch him right in his face. Yeah. Remember, we had this fucking talk when Kadri filled in Jake DeBrusque and got suspended yeah. for an undetermined amount of games. We, he should have just dropped his gloves and punched him right in his face, and he might have got yeah. a fine or a five-minute and then a game misconduct. That probably would have been it. So in, yeah. this, in this scenario, if you're Panarin and you're going to be a hero and try and defend your teammate, then you better know that something is coming. Now, I yeah. don't think that that something should be what Wilson did. That's where I right. do have an issue. I do have an issue with that because he is Tom Wilson and you can talk to me all you want about heat of the moment and not knowing who he's up against or whatever. You know what you're doing when you fucking pile drive someone like that. And then when you pick them up and you try and fucking do it again, you know, yeah. like it was, it was over the line. It was yeah. over the line. And my thing is while that, isolated play in my opinion is not suspendable I think that because of the rap sheet and because of the mockery of the game that this player continues to do on a fucking monthly yearly basis in this league you have to take action. And if you're going to find... This is the extra gravy on top for me, Lesko, that really drove me nuts. And I was almost upset that Hazy B brought it up on Overdrive today. And I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have been listening to it because then I wouldn't feel like I'm copying him. But now I feel like I'm copying him. But the point of the matter is, if you are going to find this player, then you must suspend the player. Because we've talked about this before, Lesko. The fines are not about oh no, I'm finding the player and he's going to really feel it in his wallet. No, that's not what it's for. It's so that he's in the books. He's on. We find him. So that means like it it may as well be a suspension because when we go back and we look at your track record, we're going to see, you know, suspension, suspension. Oh, there's two fines in there as well. Those fines contribute to the decision in your your, uh, suspension or not, right? So if they were going to fine him today, then why did they not suspend him today? Why fine him and not suspend him? If you're going to fine him, then you've, you've labeled this infraction as something that requires supplemental discipline. And at this point in time, if you are going to give supplemental discipline to a player named Tom Wilson, it can't be a fine. End of story. Yeah, yeah and I think that's the thing. You, you have to consider everything, and I think they can't help but do it, but I, I, I totally see where they look at it strictly through the lens of the of the rule book, and, and it, you kind of go back to when Shanahan was in the player safety. He tried to get a little more aggressive with the suspensions and, you know, trying to do things a little bit differently, and the NHL essentially quashed it, and it's like they really look at it in the narrow red lens, and, and that's why he said isolate, incident, take everything out, and I feel like that's what they've done here, 
and they've gone, okay, well, this is a scrum, and scrums happen in the game, and we can't really, it doesn't matter if it's Panarin, it doesn't matter if he's wearing a helmet or not, uh, it's, it's, a, it, it's, it's hockey, yes. I guess, at the end of the day. It's like any, anytime anybody hits anybody, goes in any form of contact, somebody could get seriously hurt. That's right. And the, the, they, they, they seem to, they wanted to strike a balance. It's just, it's like they put off potentially making a, really make an example of this guy. Because you could be right. You know, they're adding this to the sheet so that next time. Yeah, but, ne- but next time happen. what? Next time what? Well, that's the thing. But if next time he's gonna. Next time he does something dumb, because you know he's gonna do something dumb. But interesting thing about Tom Wilson is that he seems to have avoided suspension relatively well for a guy who plays the way he does. Yes. And I think part of that is he's fucking smart, man. He knows what he get away. With. He knows if he would have decked Panarin, he would have been fucked. If he would have dropped his mitts and decked Panarin, I think he would have been screwed there. See, I, 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 but even, I don't agree with that though because we we see that a lot. We see we that we do, but a it's lot. like it's some meathead and some guy pissed him off. It's you know part of the reason why we're even having this discussion is because it's Tom Wilson and Artemi Panarin. Because again, if this happens to two fourth line plugs, it's not on the headlines and not trending online. No, and that's, all that it's kind of true. Stuff. That's very true. Because again, it's like we said, and like the NHL is kind of decided they're treating this as just a play that happens in hockey that uh, that was a little more aggressive than the other, but not in the realm of suspendability. Because you look at the way the league looks at these things, and they look they look at them in the context of basically the, the offense, the incident, and are we penalizing it further? That's about it. And, and I think that's part of why it's so toothless, because they're like, we're just buying the rules – and we're that's it. We're really not considering these external factors or the fact that you know one of your MVP caliber players could is be down. Yeah, yeah. Seriously hurt. You know, it's now, funny. That, I, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just gonna say it's funny that you bring that up about you know we're not gonna take into effect you know all these outside factors. It's almost too bad that they don't because if you weren't gonna suspend, weren't if you were not going to suspend Tom Wilson for the play that occurred. Fucking suspend him for that goddamn flex that he pulled in the box. Way to go, Tom. Way to go, Tom. You're the strongest player in the world, Tom. You're the best, Tom. You're a fucking hero, Tom. You just ragdolled Artemi Panarin. And you got your your gear down in the box. And your fucking big arm, Tom Wilson. Like... Fucking get a grip on your life, bro. And listen, you made up a good point. You said he's uh, he's been able to avoid suspensions, you know, for the way he plays the game. While I he, do, he walks while, the line, eh? while I do agree with you there, Lesko. Here's something important, uh, like just as a retort to that fact: when he gets suspended, it's almost always because of a fucking terrible decision. A terrible decision. Why would you even do that? You didn't have to do that. Yeah. You could have done yeah. something else. You could have just stood there and kind of, you know, put your put your force into him and, and laid a very, very nice, clean body check and probably would have had the same but he result. Tried, but he tried to kill him. But he tried to yeah. kill him. You gotta yeah. you, you, you gotta try and kill him. So so while I agree with your point and you know, we have to respect his game a little bit to say, well, he's been pretty good. Really, he's been the same. He just hasn't done anything fucking dumb. 
right? Yeah. So it's the same yeah, as Marche. It's been suspended. It's been it's been obvious, and that's what happens when you're trying to walk that line. When you're trying to do just the maximum of push things as far as you possibly can without getting suspended. Marche, and I good thank God you mentioned him because he's a lot similar in that. Where man, he was getting suspended, disciplined a lot, and he's found a way to just play the you know, game. Chair is a good chair is a good example too, and it's that game within a game where you're taking every physical edge you possibly can without taking a penalty or getting suspended or fined yeah. or whatever it is. But the reason why Marshand is such a good example, dude, is because Marshand decided, you know what? I'd rather be a star player in this league than be a really good player with this baggage. Right, because that's what he was. He was a really good player, but he would knee someone. He would low bridge someone. He would yeah. blatantly interfere and get someone up high. Like they were really, really poor decisions by an athlete in that moment. Okay, and and he and, lets and he, other people he, take care of it now. He's, more so. Yeah, true enough. But he's smart enough now to say, "Hey, man, I'm going to be a hundred point player in this league, and I'm just going to be talented, and I'm going to let everybody suck on it." That's what he's decided to do. I believe that Tom Wilson could probably do something similar and be a, a really, really, really good player in this league. I don't want to call him elite, but what he brings to the table is really valuable. So, like, why can't yeah. you just bring that to the table and leave all that other stuff? Like, leave it alone. Like, you don't have to finish that that wrestling match and that scrum. You don't have to finish it the way you did, man. Like, there are other options. You can yeah. you he's, can he's exert off the handle. At yeah, that point, like though. you I can. Think e- there's no, there's no like. That's the problem is when you play in that gray area all the time. Is that you lose your temper and that gray area is not gray anymore. You've you've stepped over the line. And yeah, you true. Certainly did that right. Yeah, so true. I think I think once he. Once once he snapped, at, at some point he was he obviously lost it in that situation, and 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 did that. So it's it's unfortunate because, like I said, circle back. It's it's one of those situations where it's like you feel if going beyond the rule book and looking at the body of work and the player, you're like this guy deserves it, and it seems the NHL is back down from the opportunity to make an example or whatever. Yeah, and I don't. But, I'm not ready. I'm not, think, go ahead. I think this exposes just what the larger issue here is. And if you want to look at it from a safety perspective, and I don't like that they call it the Department of Player Safety because it's supplemental discipline. They're not, there's nothing to do with safety. And that's just a fucking dumb PR move naming it that. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, you know, for me, like, I feel like I'm hedging on this one a little bit because at the end of the day, I, I, I stand by my assessment in that isolated incident, I don't really see anything that went on that would otherwise be a suspendable act. Tom, Will- Tom Wilson or not. Fraction. Yeah, there yeah, wasn't there like, wasn't a- you know, Butchie's in there. The puck comes in. I can't believe they didn't score by the way as well. Puck comes in. It's right on the goal line. Butchie's trying to hammer it in. One of my good buddies was kind of saying that, well, you know, Butchie was poking away at Vanacek. He wasn't. It was there. It was in the crease. The whistle. He, made, he was just the, looking for a jam. The play. whistle did not go for a pretty long time while it was there. And I mean, like Butchie was a non-factor. He's on the ground. As a matter of fact, he's face down. Like he's in a compromised position. And yeah, sure, Wilson gives him a little shot. Ends up hitting him in the shoulder. There's that's nothing. It's nothing to me. But you know, if I'm Panarin, 
I don't care if I'm smaller or bigger or not. I'm sure you've done the same over your hockey career too, Lesko. You see your teammate getting liberties taken against him. You fucking act. You jump in there. You do what you can. You be a factor, you know? You don't really think for a moment that the guy that you're going up against is, is going to try and murder you. Like, it's a, it's, it's a hockey game. I know emotions fly, but maybe I can expect to get a punch thrown at me or, you know, get roughed up and I might lose a tooth or something. But now I'm literally getting, like, yanked in a super awkward position and, uh, you know, other people are going to talk about uh, Wilson grabbed him by the hair and he slew-footed him. Well, if you look at it in super-duper slow motion, yeah, That's it kind of looks that way, but he didn't slew-foot him. It's just... Events. It's a scrum. It, yeah, it's just it's just a, a an amount of events that all accumulated and ended up with you know Panarin on the ground and again you know Wilson kind of goes back at him. I don't think that was necessary. So for me, I don't think that the play is suspendable, but I still don't like the play. I feel like I'm allowed to have that opinion. I don't think he needed to be oh. suspended, but I don't like the play. And once they announced oh, yeah. once they announced that they're going to give him a five thousand dollar fine, then I became a little you know, not angry or whatever. I was a little frustrated by the decision because, okay, we're going to find the guy. But up until today, I've been under the impression that finding players was kind of like suspending them, but we didn't suspend you, but you better watch out because we find right. you. So it's a tick in the books. So then next time we're going to get you. And now you brought it up earlier. Like next time Tom Wilson does something stupid, well, what's going to happen then? I mean, we, we have other players, okay, that have never been suspended in their NHL careers that try and lay a clean body check on their opponent. And just because of timing or unfortunate incidents, they end up getting them right in the face or right in the head. There's an injury and you get a one or two game suspension. Are we, so are we, are we now okay with the bullshit that went on with Tom Wilson and the New York Rangers, we're okay with that, but we're not okay with, you know, a guy that tried to lay a clean hit and unfortunately it, it went wrong. Like, I, I find that confusing. We have to try and identify what we're trying, what are we trying to eliminate from the game? Yeah, and it seems that that's, you know, the direction that things are going to move because it's like, it's like take, take fighting, right? They wanted to get rid of fighting. That's that's very obvious. Yeah. You know, they they've been doing it without exactly saying it, but that's the direction the game is moving. Mm -hmm. But they like the violence. They don't want to lose the violence in the game, and they and then I think if you get down deep, and we did talk about this a little bit in terms of game management, we're like, you know, how do you really delve into the rule book and improve the rule book without? you know, really harming the gameplay or affecting, you know, guys playing the game the same way their entire lives and their interpretation of the game. Like, really talking into things that are quite nuanced if you look into them. I mean, there's so many topics even that I've heard breached in the discussion of the suspension. Everything from the role of enforcers to the code to respect to, you know, like... Uh, a fair point too that Mossfield brought up. They said the ring. Why is Tom Wilson doing that? Because he can, and because nobody's there to stop him. You looked up and down the New York Rangers roster. I didn't see one guy who could even threaten Tom Wilson. That's right. Uh, and, did, did you see? And, go ahead. Go ahead. Like, I know it's like a antiquated way of thinking, but that the game still operates on that to a certain degree. And now that these the enforcers all 
pretty much extinct. It is extinct, we could say now. I think the, the sole role enforcer. Yeah, you have to be able to play as well. There's no deterrent. Yeah, did you see what uh, Col- Colton Orr had to say about it? I thought that was interesting. Did you hear what he had to yeah, say about it? Basically, if I was within a 10-kilometer radi- radius of the rink, he wouldn't have done it. That's right. And now he's, what did he say? He's out there, he's out there acting like a hero because, because he has nobody to answer to. So that was an interesting point. And it's, it's a reflection of where the game is at in terms of being in between in this, this limbo state of not really wanting fighting. The enforcers are gone, but the rules are still built around that system of where there was fighting policing of the game. But now the policing of the game is at a minimum. It's a fraction of what it used to be, right? Yeah, well, at least now, by the now players. Now the league's got to fill the void. The league has to fill the void. If, they're, if, if this is the way the game's going, and it very clearly is, there is, comes a point in time where the league needs to fill the void, and that's going to involve some, some heavy lifting when it comes to the rule book and finding out how to properly assess supplemental discipline so that... I mean, this game tomorrow could get fucking ugly out there. Well, I was just going to ask you, what do you ugly. expect? What are you expecting I, tomorrow, I expect though? some serious stick swinging. I, I tell you that much. There's going to be a lot of hacking and whacking. There's going to be a lot of beacon. And the NHL had an opportunity. The suspended one game would have took them out of that game. And, I know. And quieted the storylines. Just, like, put the boys in check. Everybody cool down a little bit. There would have been some benefit to that, I think. Yeah, actually, I'm, I, I meant to bring that up as well. I'm glad you touched on it just before we're moving on here. Lots of time spent on goddamn Tom Wilson. But, like, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's like important. It's a year. It's important, it's important to note because they could have just suspended him for one game. You would have had all the, the pundits and, you know, everyone screaming that it, it wasn't enough. Or even if they gave him the rest of the season, oh, they should do it for life. Like, you're never going to make everyone happy. But I think in yeah. this one instance, they did have an opportunity to at least like remove the hostility that will probably the be situation. there tomorrow. Yeah, it's going to be there tomorrow. Yeah. So why not just well, what remove that do it? for TV ratings though? Well, exactly. That's exactly it. Like so I know are you I'm watching the be game tuned. tomorrow. I'll be tuning yeah, in. <laughs> yeah, I'll be checking on that one. I'll, I'll be popping in there for a minute. Like, for sure. And it could it could be nothing, and often these days it is because, like I said, there's not. They don't have Wayne Simmons to go out there and, and kick Tom Wilson's ass or give him a hard time. Mm-hmm. And there's something to be said for the point that Colton Orr made. If I'm dressed in, in the press box, whatever, odds are that isn't happening. So right. we're, we're, in a weird, we're in a weird transitional state, I think, of hockey where, where the league is going to have to figure this out because without the players policing themselves, then somebody's got to do it. And they have not addressed it enough and, and I think that's pretty clear from the response we've seen just from the fan bases and the media in reaction to this event. Yeah, well, it's going to be fun to see what happens. And, and you know, hopefully we're not uh, – I think I can safely say that we're not going to be another month before we record our next one. Let's go. We're getting geared up for the playoffs here. I don't know where you're taking me next in terms of the prep if I'm stepping on your toes here. But we're, where are we headed, man? We're going to be back together soon, so hopefully we – Hopefully we won't have much to talk about. I mean, you know, we want to have lots to talk about, but hopefully it's good stuff. I don't want to be coming back here if it's next week. I don't want to be coming back here talking about what went on in the fucking Rangers and Caps game. I think it would be best if we can just, I don't know, move move on. Everyone's mad about it. I'm not really that mad about it. I just think if you, like, 
to sum up my points, if you're going to fine him, you got to fucking suspend him. End of story. I don't think what he did was so egregiously bad that he needs to be kicked out of the league like you know some yeah. people are, are calling for. But at the end of the day, let's just hope cooler heads prevail tomorrow. Yeah, I'm not, I don't think I'm as worked up as the masses seem to be about it either just because I think it's – I, it seems it's a lot of it's just emotional, and people hate this guy so much, so right. they want the book thrown at him. But I, it's it's not going to be for this, that's for sure. So no, well, uh, he, he lives to skate another day, and, and <laughs> we'll see what we'll see what happens when we're talking about him again in, in next season or in the playoffs or whatever. So yeah, um, I wanted to just touch on the women's worlds there briefly. Um, quite a bit of controversy around there. Unfortunately, another COVID related cancellation i guess or res- turn was turned into a rescheduling so for those who may not be aware the women's worlds was scheduled to happen uh not too long ago in halifax and it was about a week out the teams were pretty much prepping to go i believe the canadian team was already there practicing and they basically announced that it's been canceled now there was no notice i guess at all there was no inkling they had a plan in place and the government basically just said no that sucks, but what are you going to do? But they had no contingency plan in place, so I thought that was kind of stupid. And then meanwhile, the men's was going on in Austria and Texas, so you're like, you're like, who? Given the restrictions that have been going on, I don't even know why they bothered trying to have this thing in Canada. Yeah, that's my main question. Like, I, I, I don't have too much of a handle on the situation. I remember when the news broke. You're right. When it first broke, it wasn't oh, we are rescheduling this tournament. It was just flat out canceled, right? And then I think there was a lot of backlash from that, and then they decided to look at other options, which is great. It's great that it's going to happen. But Yeah, good on the players because they really took – you know, they took to the social media. They got the message out there that they felt pretty slighted by this. Yeah. You can't disagree with them there. Yeah, but, like, my original question, like, when I saw the announcement, it was almost – like, it was almost obvious, you know, and I I don't mean to – um, you know, toy with anyone's feelings. It obviously would have been a difficult day for those women who were looking forward to playing and then, you know, the fr- friends, family, and fans alike. But when I read the notification, I was kind of like, well, obviously. I mean, Canada's a fucking mess. Ontario's a yeah. goddamn mess. Now, I know they're having it in Nova Scotia. But, like, you know, it's, it, it, we're, we're a mess up here. Like, we, we, were, yeah. we were killing it, for, uh, you know, at, at, in the early stages. We were, we were pointing and laughing at our neighbors to the south you know, because they were just out having the time of their lives, getting fucking COVID, dying every day. And we were, you know, doing a good thing. And then all of a sudden, it's really flipped. And now they're all getting yeah. vaccinated, going to goddamn ball games and concerts and having the times of their lives. And I can't even fucking go for a walk down the street. Yeah. God yeah, damn it's it. Interesting. I, I couldn't believe they didn't have, a, like, a backup plan. So Yeah, that seems is, strange. Is it, is it has been, you know, they've stepped up and figured it out. And I think definitely the pressure that the players put on has played a big role in that but uh it sounds like they are going to have it apparently somewhere in canada in august i i don't know how they're going to pull it off but they've got to find someone to agree and to commit to it and to go through with it no matter what not be like "Mm, on the week of actually given the current situation we're not doing it like they need someone who's just going to sign off and be like yeah we're doing it so you know nobody's losing money and losing their shirt and why does it have to be in canada why can't they go do it in the states? I, I, I don't know, and I, and uh, you got to think there's some issues going on there between the organizers and the board, I guess, that oversees it, the IHF, um, because 
the organizers could have been saying like, yeah, we got this. Yeah, it's good to go. It's going to be fine. And then the week before, the you know, the government tells them they can't. You know, they had they clearly had no guarantee that they were going to be able to have this thing. It was going to be like, well, we'll see how it is. And they put all their eggs in that basket because they, you know, they want to host the tournament. They've been planning for it. They were probably chosen two years ago to host this tournament or whatever. Right. So it, you know, it, it's. Uh, you know the the organizing committee from Canada obviously doesn't want to get rid of like Hockey Canada doesn't want to just say oh yeah we'll pass it off to someone else right okay so fair I enough them trying to pull it off and everything and it's just unfortunate the way it happened and it's kind of just more of what we've seen throughout this whole pandemic is you know the government's not not always making the most logical decisions or choosing things the right way so well, we'll remember this next. Remember this all next time you have to depend on the government for something. Yeah, good call. And it's uh, lucky for them, they're not going to be having it in Ontario. Otherwise, it could be scheduled for 8 a.m. puck drop on Saturday, and then you'd get the old 3.30 news dump from Dougie's the office on Friday. The old Friday news dump. Isn't that the worst Friday news dump you ever heard? Ah, it doesn't get any worse than that. 4.30. I- it was supposed to be at 1.30. It was 4.30 on a Friday. Hey That's man, the just dumpiest news dump ever. Limit limit the amount of uh, phone calls and emails that you have to respond to within one business day. My goodness, he right? He's like it's like you're giving your staffers a bit of a break. Eh? Like, hey, you know, I'm gonna put this one out right before the office closes, and we get the hell out of here. We're grabbing beers. <laughs> grabbing beers. Yeah. All right. Um, oh, TV man. deal. Uh, we got some news there with uh, TNT apparently taking the secondary portion along with ESPN. It's worth $1.6 billion, so that's some big-ass money compared to what they were getting from NBC. And compared to what NBC was offering, apparently NBC was low-balling the hell of the NHL, which is quite interesting. Really? Um, so, yeah, this is kind of a, this is an interesting deal because it brings the NHL into a lot of different streaming platforms in the United States, namely HBO Max and uh, Hulu. So this kind of raised um, some dialogue about are we are we going to see an opportunity for HBO to get involved on a production level with the NHL again? Well, they're they're kind of in like a I guess they might be in like a a, a bidding war perhaps or you know, maybe I should say competing for the business with Amazon, right? Because Amazon is now thrust themselves into the conversation. They're doing the the Leafs documentary this year. And, of course, the Leafs are going to win the Cup, so the documentary is just going to be absolutely incredible. It's going to fly off the shelves. Fire. You know? Um, So it's interesting, dude. I think it's really exciting as a fan of the sport. Um, You know, again, you've heard me bitch time and time again, Lesko. I'm not afraid to say it. I've got friends uh, in, you know, in the business uh, with Bell and with TSN and whatnot and I'm not afraid to say it that I I just I I don't think that our broadcast coverage is really all that great. Okay, uh, I I really do enjoy, I really enjoyed the NBC broadcasts for all the years that they had them. Um, I just felt like you know the the production value and the amount of money perhaps that is dedicated to to that production may have been allowing for better return. You know, as a right. as, as a consumer. 
Um, you know, we talk about intermissions all the time, Lesko, and what they can offer us and what else we would rather be doing with our time sometimes than, you know, just watching commercials for fucking DoorDash and whatever on TV. Yeah. You know, so um, I, I'm excited. I think it's going to bring about some some new opportunities. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what kind of personalities are we going to see um, on a game basis, on a network basis. Like, um, yeah, I think it's really exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Lots of money in yeah. the league as well, which is always a good thing, man. Yeah, I'd really like to see HBO get involved. Just brought me back to the the original Road to the Winter Classics that they did, and right. talk a lot about it on the show. How much those are so I good. A lot of a lot of people, including the casual hockey fans, I think really got really enjoyed that kind of production. So you gave me just give me hockey with swearing, and and I'll I'll fucking love it. So if there's possibility <laughs> for that. I did like how it. Uh, uh, TNT did say that they were going to um, aim to have their NHL coverage more in line with how their NBA coverage goes, which is, you know, very popular programming. You know, they got some big personalities on there, and they they do things a little bit differently. You could say it's almost more informal in a, in a, a little bit. Just I I think a lot of it is dictated by the the characters and. Fun is essentially how they described it, which is a new concept to the NHL. So <laughs> I, I'm interested to see like what they can put together. Like you, you think about NBC, there's a couple good free agents they could bring over from there, and and I guess it got me thinking like what what would be like your all star group of like your all star panel or, or broadcast team for a TNT setup? Like who's in the studio? Who's in the booth? Like, you figure they paid a lot of money for this, so they're going to invest a lot of money in talent. Well, I mean, geez, you almost put me on the spot there. Like, there's, there's, there's a, there could be a list of people that would be, I mean, we just talked about him earlier on the show. I mean, would, would O-Dog not be fantastic? He's already on the panel up in Canada, though. So, I yeah, mean. Yeah, but do you, do you back the Brink shock up to, like, start poaching talent? Like, I'm just saying, like, who's your. If you could, if you were making it, and you had all the money in the world, like, and you just you go up to anyway, you go up to Ron McLean if you want to be like, hey, Ron, we got ten million bucks, come on down. You're hosting NHL on TNT every two days a week or whatever. I don't know, like, I, I just got me thinking, like, who's your all-star cast? You set up a panel. Who do you want to put on that? Well, I mean, I feel like maybe the most obvious one would be Jeremy Roenick. JR, bring right. him back. He is forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, sorry, I guess that's right, eh? Shit. Well, I, I can't keep up with all this, you know? Like, let, let's just remove all that. He has a personality. Yeah, take the cancellations out, okay. Strictly for hockey content, no sexist weird remarks about banging his coworkers. <laughs> just for hockey. Oh, man. Okay, well, yeah, just for hockey. I mean, I'd love to see... Uh, I do like JR. I just, you know, all kidding aside. Um, okay, in the booth, for starters, Gary Thorne. Any, I mean, I got to have him. I got to have him. Yeah. Now, I know that he'll be probably on the ESPN side, right? So we're talking about TNT, are we not? TNT, I'm talking about like if you're – so think about the, how the NBA on TNT does their show, right? Like it's got Shaq on it there, Barkley, yep. you know. Like I think it's four or five guys that they're talking about. But if you were to emulate that – on NHL and TNT, who do you want to put at that desk together to sit there and, and talk hockey? Well, would you not want to have at least one or maybe even two of the guys from Spit and Checklets on? 
You probably want at least Whitney, I think. And Whitney's done NHL Network before, too. Oh, man, Biz would be the perfect guy for the, uh, you know, at ice level. The ice level guy. Oh, put him like, you know, like. Put him between the glass and get him, get him to do, get him to do the inter the uh, the interviews with Peter Laviolette. You know, uh, when they climb onto the bench real okay, quick. Okay, so you got, so you got Biz hilarious. guy in the field. Right, Biz is in the field. I still want to have like uh, whatever I said, Jr. And you know, I I really like uh, I like Kevin Weeks too. I really like what Kevin Weeks brings on the NHL Network. I think he's fantastic. Yeah, he's he's quite good, and I and uh, I think I think ultimate for me, you get Ryan McLean hosting, and then you throw O Dog in there with Whitney Elliot Friedman and Mike Johnson. Okay, I like that. So you got some ex players, you got some journalists, and you got the the legendary, the un unbeatable, the unequalable Ron McLean. Right. right, okay, and and how about... But I think you keep it fresh, though. I like the idea of having, like, a weekend panel, because I know they, they switch in, like, a guy in here, a guy out, but, like, I'd really like to see, like, a weekend, like, panel, and then you got your weekday panel, like, really, you know, switch it up. Like, if they had a... If you had, like, a, a rotating cast, I guess, uh, uh, where you could bring in, you know, say an extra... Even if they had an extra seat where it's, like, different person every week, it'd yeah. be cool, too. Yeah, yeah. Or like for the game of the week, right? You'd have everyone wrapped up together for the game of the week. But but they may work individual games throughout the week, but you've got this one game as your national broadcast and all your big guns are, are either here or maybe they do it remotely and they do like the part in the interruption thing where they have them all kind of in their own window, you know, and they're all talking. It's satellite hot stove. Yeah, exactly. Satellite hot stove. But you know what, dude? I mean, hey, it's 20, it's 2021 here. We're, we're coming into 2022 when this is going to be happening. You got to have some females in there, Lesko. So what kind of female representation are you looking for on a panel like this? And I'll start it off myself. My vote, 100%, 1,000%, all my votes, Catherine Tappen. I think she's fantastic. Again, I'm poaching all these NBC characters. I really liked what the NBC did. I may be in a minority. I, I used to see people on Facebook and Twitter and stuff. Oh, the American broadcast. Make sure you better tell all your listeners what offside is and stuff. Well, they're trying to grow the game, okay? Like, it, it's not Hockey Night in Canada where everyone knows everything about the game. Like, you, yeah. you, you have to try and appease. to a component. Yeah, to a component you do, okay? But, but as it comes to, like, reporting, doing the highlights, even, even the standard – technical work let's go like reading off a teleprompter like i, I feel like Ta- Catherine tappen brings so much to the table yeah she was a great host on nbc and i see him poaching a bit of nbc talent like yeah i think ray ferrero just became a hell of a lot more available too right like there's another you know all-star from nbc that you'd, you'd want to get involved in one of these broadcasts so you got to think that NBC and gord miller as well these guys yeah they're definitely got to be in talks with these guys but there was lots, people. man. NBC took a lot of specifically play-by-play guys, right? They took John Forslund uh, away from the Carolina Hurricanes. They took Chris Cuthbert, who ultimately returned uh, back to Sportsnet, back to Canada. They took Gord Miller. They took Ray Ferraro. Way back in the day, they ended up taking Pierre Maguire. Pierre left TSN long before NBC became majority rights holder in the USA, right? Yeah. So like they they'd been they had been kind of poaching from our major networks for quite some time and I think that's why I enjoyed 
the NBC broadcast so much. They they also took Kenny Alberts away from MSG Network. He did the Rangers games. You know, save Lungfest, right? Like they took him away. They took a lot of guys that really bring some high octane, high energy. I love hey hey, what do you say, Johnny Forsland? Like I love those calls. I love Gary Thorne off the floor on the board. Uh, apparently he's in talks to be brought back as well with ESPN. So moving forward, I think my fiance is going to be very upset with me for the amount of hockey that I'm going to end up watching. Cause uh, I don't know how you feel about the Susco. Maybe you agree or not, but this year I thought that I was going to watch more hockey than I have. Now, maybe it's because of all my projects here at at the farm and everything, but uh, overall, even when I do have time to myself, I find myself if if it's not a Leaf game, then I'm shooting faces on Warzone. When I when I could be watching hockey, but I decide to do something else, and I I don't know if I, I hope that's going to change. I I think maybe it was just because of this year with the repetitiveness of playing the same teams over and over. Because for the first couple months of this season, I was all over it. I watched a lot, and then it kind of faded. It it turned into watching as much as I could into just making sure that I watched the Leaf games so I can talk to you about them. <laughs> yeah, I think the new broadcasts are going to have something to add to. And I think to answer your question earlier that you asked me and then answered yourself, um, to bring in uh, some of the females that I'd like to see them bring on the show, I definitely agree with Catherine Tappen, but... I wanted to point to to Cassie Campbell because I think she's friggin' great on uh, Saturday nights there. And uh, absolutely Kara Wagland too and Jennifer Hedger from TSN. Um, I really like them on Overdrive. They're not on very frequently, but they're they're really good at that kind of casual conversation talking talking hockey. So yeah. definitely some talent that they'll be looking at. And, you know, to be in the creative department of, of that would be exciting, too, to be like, hey, we got something to build from the ground up here. What are we going to do? But, yeah. And especially because, you know, the, we just bought the rights. We spent billions of dollars on this. Like I said, the the budget for talent has to be pretty high, you got to figure. I think so. Yeah, and I, I'm on board with your Cassie Campbell-Pascal uh, hire as long as she leaves the Don Cherry suits in uh, in the closet. Don't like the shoulder padded jackets. Don't like the shoulder pad jackets. Don't like them one bit. They're like I, my the first thing that I thought of when I saw her on the TV with them was like, is she kind of like, is this an ode to Don Cherry? Because if it was, then maybe I'm okay with it. Like if she's like, yeah, hey, we're in this for you, Don. Though. No, no, they're no, they're not cherry aggressive. aggressive, but they're like, you know, I mean, she's got the plaid shoulder pad jackets on like it's the first thing i think of because i just picture dawn in his plaid suits on the cover of rock'em sock i like it all right she's fashionable lady okay okay she she, she's like uh and she's been like in in like i don't know she's like modeled before too back in the day too so oh here we go rap sheet fashiony person she's got the she's got the history i don't have the history i know nothing about fashion i wear the same jeans every day yeah, same fucking sweatpants for the last year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's hammer out some Leaf stuff here. Uh, it's been pretty interesting. Not a lot of meaningful hockey going on for the Maple Leafs right now other than those two games in Winnipeg. And nice to see them show up for those because a couple of wins kind of gave them, I want to say cruise control because I know they're gearing up for a playoff run and you hear them talking about the mindset shift and, and really uh, – you know, try to measure up and strategize against these teams. But you got to think that there's also that – I mean, they didn't dress Riley and, and Muzzin the other day, right? Or, uh, sorry, Riley and Hall. 
for example. Like I think I think we're almost in that rest period right now of Well Felino. That's part of that's part of the playoff prep, right? Is as you even remotely hurt you're not playing right now. Yeah, Riley and Felino and I had them both in fantasy and I was ready to choke somebody. I've got to be quite – are we concerned about Felino? Like, that was kind of a weird one. Like, it seemed like he was – I didn't even like, see it. I don't even know what happened. He, he there. Somebody caught the footage of him where he looked like he had been kind of wincing slash maybe limping or favoring himself a bit. But then but upper body? Upper body injury. So I'm not entirely sure what happened. It just looked like a, you know, just run-of-the-mill kind of play there. So hopefully he's all right because obviously with Hyman out, Felino's had big shoes to fill and, and – and, you know, I think he's done a great job there so far. He's put up, I think, an assist in every game since he's joined the team and joined that uh, first line. So it's, it was kind of a bit of a blessing anyway with Hyman going down that, you know, next game they were able to see Felino step in that spot. Yeah, and Hyman uh, is actually back to listing as day-to-day as I actually cruise through my fantasy hockey. I am in my finals right now. Uh, against a friend of the show, original listener of the show, Aaron Pipes. I'm coming for you. Pipes, you better uh, make some fancy ads coming home here, bud. I think I got you. But, uh, yeah, last week it was a tough one. I lose a couple of those guys. I end up uh, squeaking out a 4-4 tie in fantasy, and because I was the higher seed, I finished first, no big deal. Uh, I end up winning on on a tie. So now I'm into the finals, and, uh, you know, I'm – I don't know what to think about Felino. I don't think it's too serious, but I know nothing about it. So, I mean, yeah. I, you know, the playoffs are, when are they going to start? Is it, uh, like, we still don't even know when they're going to start. Are they going to finish those Vancouver Calgary games? Like, I don't really understand what's going on there. I mean, the playoffs could be starting, I guess, as early as next week or next weekend. Right, I assume like long May long weekend around there, right? Before then, probably. Before then, because the like there. I don't actually know. There are teams in the there are teams in the states that only have two games remaining, like you know Wednesday, Friday, and they're done, or you know tonight, Thursday, Saturday, and they're done. So everyone's just going to either be waiting on the Canadian division, or I mean, maybe perhaps they get a couple of series underway in 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 the states. Do they cancel some of those games? Like, did I hear them right on the radio today say that the Canucks have 10 games left? They got 10 games left? Yeah, there's a disproportionate amount of games left around the NHL right now. Who are they playing 10 more times? I I have no idea. Like, why you keep asking me these questions? You know I don't have I mean, I'm not really asking you for the answer. I'm just kind of asking the world. Like, what the fuck? Are they going to have, like, a a dark versus white inter- fucking yeah. mural game like i don't even understand I, think, I guess the good thing is who cares because they're not in a playoff race it's not like there's a lot of meaningful action well i mean the sponsors will care you know the tv yeah. Oh, yeah. deals will care and i, I yeah, don't know yeah. that's 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 the stuff that that we don't have to care about but the nhl certainly <laughs> does and right be the only reason why they force them out of play right but yeah right. the maple leafs got four four games left right now two games against the habs one against the Sens. Nothing like losing a late-season game to the Sens. Oh, I can't wait. And uh, Maple Leafs and Jets uh, to finish off the season on the 14th. On the 14th, which may determine who we play. 
It could, yeah. If the Canadians or Jets are still flipping back and forth, it absolutely could. Well, it's 50-50 now, so there's really no reason to believe that it won't. So, I mean, there there might actually be some, some seeding implications right down to our final game. It won't matter for, for us on, uh, you know, on a Toronto Maple Leaf standpoint. Um, I was chatting with some... Some Leaf fans uh, throughout the last couple of days here, specifically last night after the loss to Montreal. You know, I, I'm hearing some people, you know, saying, oh, no, like, you know, I don't want to play the Jets. I'd rather play Montreal. And does it really matter, bro? I mean, are we really in a position where we would prefer to play Team A instead of Team no, B? I no. Mean, no, right? No. It really shouldn't matter. Like, Who I, cares? it honestly shouldn't. They played both those teams several times this year, have won the majority of the matchups, and should have uh, the full scouting report on whatever they think they need to make whatever lineup decisions they need to beat these teams. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting, and I love that you brought that up because in previous years, like, oh, we don't want to play Boston. Right. Or, oh, we don't want to play Washington. Right. Like, oh, we, hopefully we come in this place so we can play these guys instead. The path has never been brighter for the Maple Leafs and the we mentioned this in the last episode and they've really seemed to seize that opportunity. And I think, I think they recognize that it's not lost on them here. So it really shouldn't matter who they play because they're the best team in the division. I mean, people don't want to play them. It's the other way around. That's right. We're not, it's a perspective that we're not used to. But all, so all of what we just said aside, who do you want? Like, who do you, Adam Lesko, want? Probably Montreal, just for the fact, like the, the historical factor, the significance the, of the matchup, the significance of it. You know, the yeah, it's just the reigniting the rivalry, right? Because you know, Montreal hasn't been fantastic for the last little while, but they they've been there and they've been up and coming. And there was a point where they beat the Leafs, beat the wheels off the Leafs consecutively before Matthews showed up, right? So. It, it, I think it'd just be cool to see. And it was something that, that just – it's, it's amazing, actually, since they, you know, became division uh, – in the same division, what, 20-some years ago after the Leafs moved out of the Western Conference. Right, yeah. It, it's actually kind of amazing that we haven't I know. that series yet. I know, but it right? it really has a lot to do with the Leafs sucking and Montreal being good. <laughs> the Leafs sucked for versa. two decades. <laughs> yeah, well, mainly – yeah, I should say – 90% Leafs suck and 10% yeah. Montreal. <laughs> right, right. It's kind of similar with Ottawa too, right? We used to see them all the time. Both teams were kind of good, and then, and then it, you know, it went the other way. We were terrible, and, and the significance of the Battle of Ontario became really null, you know? Um, for me, uh, if, I'm, if I want to choose a team not because of reasons that you put forth, which are great reasons. I'm not saying they aren't. I'm just trying to be different here. Uh, but if I wanted to choose a team, I would also choose Montreal, and my reasoning would be for the travel. So, like, we've already had lots of travel throughout the season. A lot of people aren't really putting any stock into that. Like, all these other divisions were geographically based, right? So yeah. the travel for those teams is They're pretty minimal. No, we're going cross-country. We're going to Vancouver. We're going to Calgary. We're going to Edmonton. We're going to Winnipeg, right? So it would be kind of nice if our first-round matchup was just right here in Montreal. I mean, we could just take a quick charter and be there in what? I don't even know how long it would be, like three hours, two hours? Uh, you know, not even. Like an hour and a half, two hours, wheels hour. up, wheels down, you know, and you're not worried about jet lag or getting comfortable or any of that stuff. Like you're fucking there, uh, you know, at the drop of a hat. 
versus you know you play Winnipeg, you've been grinding all season, and now you got to travel again. Not and that you got to fly to Winnipeg. Yeah, not that it really matters to be completely honest with you, or or, or that it should matter. But I think it's something to consider. And and if you wanted me to give you a, a reason as to why I would choose Montreal, it has much less to do with. Who, which team I'm like more afraid of or less afraid of on the ice, and more so how how can we the Toronto Maple Leafs have the most comfiest position? And I think it has right. to be versus Montreal, not only for historical significance. It would be a great ta- great thing to see them play, but also logistically speaking, as far as travel is concerned. Yeah, and I'm scared of Holpi or not Holpi, fuck uh, Hellebuck. Hellebuck, yeah. Hell he's been, t- he's, but get... he's been trash lately. But he's the kind yeah, of guy that fires I... it up and, and wins four out of seven games on his own. He'll, he'll still, get, he'll steal your games, right? And like that's. But so can Price, though. So can Price. Yeah, and, and I have no idea what to expect from Price. I mean, his, he's been somewhat human in the lead up to him taking this uh, long leave. I mean, is is that almost like similar? I haven't gotten the the full scoop on Carey Price. What's going on with him? But is he in like a find himself plus get? Got a healthy type place like Frederick Anderson right now? Uh, I'm not really sure. So he was out. He was out with a concussion. All right. So um, Carey Price is progressing in his recovery from a concussion. Per coach, interim coach Dominique Ducharme. Uh, so that was late April. Uh, he had tests done, and the team is waiting for results. He's moving in the right direction. On Tuesday, May 4th, so that's today, Carey Price will not travel with the Canadians to Ottawa. Montreal is set to play in Ottawa on Wednesday. Price will meet up with the Canadians in Toronto, though it is not clear if there's any chance of him playing against Toronto Thursday or Saturday. So he's yeah. he's he's coming back. He's going to be back very soon. Yeah. He's been out for quite some time, since April 19th. And you're right, prior to him coming out, on April 19th, where he only saw seven shots and exited the game due to the concussion. You're right. He had been rather pedestrian leading up to that point. But that's not to say that he doesn't come back and he's not, right? You have to. I right. think I think it's safe to expect the best. Expect the best carry price that you are going to get. We are only going to score maybe two or three goals tonight if we're lucky. We're not getting four or five. So what does that mean? We can only give up one or two. Right, like you can't get into these high-scoring games until the puck is down, and there's been four goals in the first seven minutes. Okay, th- now we know it's a high-scoring game. Let's go. Let's shoot the lights out. Jack is struggling, or Freddie, or whoever the fuck's starting. We're going to talk about that soon too. But whoever's starting is struggling. Guess what? We've already scored two goals on Price, also. So now it's a shootout at the OK Corral. Let's get our guns oiled up and let's get going here. But you have to expect the minimal scoring. And you have to be able to go into these games with a defensive mindset. And that is something for me personally as a Leaf fan. I'm way more confident this season than I ever have before, regardless of the North Division, whatever. For me, I can't wait. I really hope, obviously, that we come out of the division. I'm a Leaf fan. Why wouldn't I? But more so than just being a Leaf fan, I'm really excited to watch them come out of the division and finally play someone else. Play a Tampa or a Florida, right? I'm excited for them to win a goddamn series. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, but you know what I'm saying. I just mean as far as the measuring stick is concerned. Just, yeah, yeah, for sure. And it'd be interesting to see. It'll be really interesting, more interesting than usual to see them play a team outside of Canada. But I'm right. just excited for them to win a series. And I probably haven't been – I think I've been more nervous. I've been excited, but more nervous excitement going into a playoff series in the last few seasons as a fan. And this year I'm actually, like, excited, excited, maybe reminiscent of what I was like in the early 2000s when they were actually good the Winning. last time. Yeah. So, 
Like, because yeah, we know in, like, in 2016, it was it was just gravy, right? Like, we made the playoffs. We weren't supposed to. We played Washington, and we gave them a scare. You know, double overtime, Kasperi Kapanen, you know? Like, it, it's, it's a big deal. So, but that was fun. And then after that, it became like, hey, I think we're supposed to be good. Oh, we lost to Boston, but we probably could have beat them. And then the following year after that, okay, we should win. And then we don't, you know? Yeah. So you're right. You, you become nervous. And I think even going into this playoff series, even though I'm excited like you are, the team is good. I've got full confidence in the team. I'm going to be nervous. Come on. You're, you're going to be nervous. I think I'll right? be nervous when the puck drops, <laughs> but I think I'm less so just going into it than previous years. Right. What if we lose game one? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, because then, you know, you have two days to stew about it, too. That's always the worst thing. Like, you lose game one, and like, it, it gives two days for the media to tell us why they're going to fail again. And, right. And, and us to get all worked up in our own head. So Read the statistics about 76% of teams that win the first game yeah. win the series. Like, you and know. A cert- certainly a difficult thing to do as a fan is to try and look at the games objectively and look at plays objectively. And, you know, I have no issue doing that around the league, but certainly – when you're looking at your own team, uh, there if you can manage to take a step back and, and, and take an objective standpoint when you're looking at things, it, it's good for your mental health. Like it, it can keep you cool sometimes when you might otherwise. <laughs> hockey know, hockey fans it. and and being objective don't go. They don't mix. That's no, oil and, and water, bud. And that's that's fandom, right? Like yeah. It's it's Sports. not it's not logic. Like uh, there's no. There's no logical reason why I'm a Toronto, Toronto Maple Leaf fan. It's just a born and bred, and the thing you do, you just blindly do it every year, stupidly. It has nothing to do with whether the team's good or anything. It's almost unfortunate when you boil it right down. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing. Like, yeah, that's a whole philosophical discussion that we could we could base an entire podcast series on. Is is the uh, uh, the perils and pitfalls and logic. Uh, that sports fans have in their minds. Absolutely. Fuck. I'm just realizing now that it's seven o'clock and I wanted to maybe make an ad in my finals for fantasy. Oh, I was going to add Sorokin and he is playing. I should have known he was playing. Whatever. Moving on. What do you got? One more, one more question is, are the Leafs a dirty team now? No, come on. What have you seen? What have what have you seen that objectively, like we just talked about? What what have you seen that objectively would you would say like <laughs> I'm not too sure about that one, you know? Absolutely, absolutely nothing. There's nothing. one thing I have noticed is that, and I, and we've talked about this going into the year, what we expected based on the changes they made, and what we've seen based on the product of the ice is that this team is different. They stand up for themselves. They got a little bit of. They got a little bit of confidence. They got a little bit of swagger. And you can point to the additions. You can point at the way they play. But they stand up for each other now. They, they've got – there's a little bit more pride. There's a little bit more, I don't know, for the boys, for lack of a better term. You know what I mean? I'm, like, putting, my hand, seems- I'm putting my hand up right now like I'm in grade six. Can I interject? Can I, can I point to yes. something as well? Yes, son. I'd like Go to, ahead, I, son. I'd like to point to – a certain member of the Pucks and Deep podcast who clearly was so adamant that in a relatively short period of time, Sheldon Keefe will be able to instill a backbone. That's what I said. Play the tape. We need a backbone. And it's not necessarily... Let's let's trade for this guy and let's sign this guy in free agency. That's a big part of it. Don't get no, me wrong. Not, 
it's not fighting or anything either, but it's leadership, character, and toughness, the stuff that doesn't show up on the grass. And pride. That's what you said. That's why I wanted to raise my hand. You talked about pride. That's where I was coming from. I believed that one of Sheldon Keefe's best attributes as a motivator and a team coach was creating identity, creating a backbone, playing for your teammates. All of those cliches, he does them exceptionally well. You talk to any pundit out there and, you know, biased or not, whether they love the Leafs, report on the Leafs, or hate the Leafs, they'll all tell you that it's quite clear that the Leafs have made substantial changes to address areas of need that have existed for quite some time. And we didn't really see those changes until Keith ended up taking over, right? Like Keith ended up taking yeah. over. And I was talking to you on this very show about, you know, players that, that Keith needs to have in his lineup. And at that time, it wasn't like you and I were trying to, you know, look down the list of players and contracts and try and pick guys, hand select players that would fit well. But really, that's what Dubas did, right? Like there's got to be lots of conversations between ge- general manager and head coach to say, this yeah. is the kind of player that I want on my team. And what can we do in, in terms of salary and in terms of, you know, he's not just going to punch faces. Can he also skate and shoot the puck as well? So we were yeah, able to ab- acquire and obtain that type of personnel that really helps evolve the team, create some identity, give the team some character, and overall a big sense of, of, of pride. And I think you're bang on. That's what we're seeing th- right now. And I really hope that – I know Keith said that the playoffs isn't just something that you flip a switch, but I, I kind of have to slightly disagree with him because over the years, as a fan watching the game, there's clearly a switch. All 16, is, all 16 teams flip it once the puck is down. Right. But I think the real good teams and the teams that go deep, they get their, they get their shit together ahead of time. Right, and okay. I, and I like that idea of transitioning because we've, Ramping seen them up. Drag, we've seen them drag their ass and limp into the playoffs a couple of times and got their ass served to them accordingly. But, yeah, that's a great point about Keefe and – I know it's, it was Dave Poulin the other day on TSN. He's not everybody's favorite commentator, analyst, or whatever. But he did call. He said, I think Sheldon Keefe's one of the best coaches in the league. And I thought that was a pretty bold statement for a veteran of the game to say for a guy who's coached just over 80, 80 some, 82 games now. So I guess the equivalent of a season for the Maple Leafs. Right, and I think if you prorated his season play, now, of course, you can't uh, because of the siloed, divisions this year but I believe it was somewhere in the neighborhood of you know 109 or 108 uh, in terms of an overall you know 82 game point pace Um, so I mean obviously doing quite well uh, doing better than than the team was previously when they when they broke when they broke franchise records they have they they would be on track I believe for a franchise record season over 82 games as, as it stands right now so right I know it doesn't those stats don't come up as often as not, as much right now because we're not looking at the same sample size and it's hard to compare to other years but uh, yeah there's no measuring you know, make, sticks this year it's just just something that 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 might be getting overlooked or kind of lost in the situation and you know, there's we constantly have to hear that. Oh, it's Canadian Division. It's that's why the Leafs are doing good. Like they're they're having an amazing year, and maybe we're not taking enough time as fans to revel in it a little bit and 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 be happy. I know we're always looking for the whipping boy and something to be critical of, but 
we're embarking on a playoff journey here and things have never been this positive going into it. Even with the great Frederick Anderson mystery persisting. Yeah, what, what, what's your latest on that? So he's skating with the team, which is interesting, and he actually talked to the media, I believe it was last week. Oh, he first had media availability? Yeah, first we heard from him. He skated, and first time we heard from oh. him over a month. Well, normally so injured players was... don't have media availability. That's another key, key thing. No, it's, it's been quite and, – and it was just once, mind you. And right. It's just kind of an update, and he's like, yeah, hopefully they're getting some games. But there's been no definitive anything. And there's been no real talk of what's actually going on there. So it's just fascinating because I know that there's been a little bit more transparency with Dubas um, when it comes to just everything with, compared to Lamorello. But we're in a situation here with Frederick Anderson where it's almost it's almost Robodah-Blupal-esque where we literally have no idea what's going on other than that he's now skating again. You know, again, I'm going to continue to assume that he either plays one game down the stretch going into the playoffs or he's starting one of those first couple games in the playoffs. But, fuck, Jack Campbell's continued to roll. So it's, you know, I made that, I drew a parallel to Carey Price earlier. But you know what? Carey Price starts game one if he's healthy game one. I'm not entirely sure Frederick Anderson does at this point. Because Jack Campbell, well, he did stumble for a couple games. He's, he's just proven to be the better goaltender at this point in time. So it's like, do you really – do you give your – do you give Freddie an opportunity? Has he deserved over his tenure with the Maple Leafs the opportunity to start game one if he is healthy? I think the answer to that question is yes. I don't think uh, many Leaf fans, even myself included, are going to want to hear that. But that doesn't mean that that's not the answer to the question. I think the right. answer to that question is yes. He has earned the right – to start game one, will he? Well, start? He's on the shortest leash you've ever seen. Yeah, it's about. true. But will he like, start? Will he start game period. one? Is the real question. Does he deserve to start yeah. game one? I would lean towards yes. Will he start yeah. game one? I'm almost guaranteeing that that answer is no. Right, because you just think it's, too much it's time like, off. I, I think there's that, and the other factors that Campbell's been just so good. Oh, yeah, you add those two together, and it's a no-brainer. He's had too much time off, and Jack has been great. If, if we've been riding, like, you know, Jack and Hutch or, or Jack and Big Save Dave, No Save Dave, Bad Save Dave, like, you know, uh, if, if it hadn't been going well, then we'd be, we'd be begging for him to come back. But that's not the he case. He might have been playing already, too. Yeah, true. Yeah, true enough. So let me ask you this question. This might be a bit of a weird one. It's a hypothetical, but I'll ask it anyway, just for the sake of the discussion. What do you think is more likely? Option A or B? Option A, Frederick Anderson starts, plays, and does well, wins a few rounds, and the Leafs go on a run with Freddie Anderson. That's option A. Or option B, which is we've seen Freddie Anderson's last game in a Leaf uniform. What do you think is more likely? More likely at this point in time? Yeah, like going into these playoffs, we don't really know what to expect. So what do you think it's is more, more likely, likely? It's got to be more likely B. That we've, never, that, that we've seen his last game. 
Well, it just it seems more likely than than he goes on a run. I see him playing. I don't see him going on a run. Okay, but if he plays, I don't expect then... him to bounce back to two years ago, Freddie. That's okay. Maybe where I'm at. All and right, fair, only, fair enough. That's but... probably the only circumstances where he goes on a run. But what? Yeah, but what I... if what if he what if he comes back and you know Jack uh, starts game one and wins and then loses game two. And then Freddie comes in for game three, and that's all she wrote. Freddie is awesome, and we beat the Canadians in six, and then Freddie starts round two, and we beat the Oilers in seven, and Freddie gets over the hump, right? And now that would, to me, that would be a run, okay? If we yeah, go to the I'm conference a, finals, that's a run. Yeah. I'm a big, like, Freddie fan, defender. I have all the confidence in the world, and, and this year is, like, finally shaken my confidence in him and, and I'm just this is so weird too just this whole situation is it's weird as hell so like I just don't know what to think and fuck you gotta figure though when he does get in the crease whatever it is he is gonna have a chip on his shoulder and something to prove like is he going to and, and with those emotions with those feelings is he going to rise to the occasion and stand on his head and be the Freddy that we fell in love with or is he just going to remain the Freddy that we've known for the last year and a bit, year and a half? Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, it all just comes down to the big moment, right? So, like, I, I, what makes me slightly nervous, and this is going to sound weird to say and maybe hear, but what makes me nervous is if the Leafs do very well in their first-round matchup. Let's say it's the Canadians, and it's a, it's a good series. It's, it's five games, you know, something like that clearly the better team and Freddie does well and then we move into the second round and let's just for argument's sake say this is the round where there's adversity and we're we're in tight we're down you know it's game six and we tie it up and it's late is he gonna let one in you know I I I might not even be able to watch I might not even be able to watch bro if it comes yeah, down to thing. that moment in time, I have no trust in him in that moment. And I don't – like I've said to a good buddy of mine, he he can't wrap his mind around my stance on Freddie because I'm like you. I like Freddie, and I like to but defend Freddie. you want to see Freddie. him succeed, right? I like do. You want to see him succeed, but, you're, but and your confidence is shaped for an entirely different reason. And we've obviously hit that all the time. It's like those big moments where he lets you down. And it just seems like – even even that's a hard uh, factor to to draw into and, and make a I say a decision whether he starts or not. Right. But my my confidence is just shaken based on the, the entire body of work from the last year and a half, and it's just that, that's got to tell you the story for what he is right now. You know, rested or not, or, or coming back or not, it's just it's just really tough. It's 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 a wild card. I mean, it's like they say, goalies are fucking voodoo, right? Like right. nobody knows. Nobody knows what you're going to get, but there's only one way to find out, and it could cost you a game. <laughs> there's only one way to find out, and we might be fucking crying in our beers afterwards. But at least we'll know, and at least we'll know that this is the end of the road. You know, if it happens again, well, then, Jesus Christ, at least we don't have to do it anymore. We can That's do it with someone it, else. Right? That's the end of the road. We'll do it with someone else, you know? Yeah. Well, either that or it can be affordable fucking 1B or backup going into next year because, you know, he's not getting that payday necessarily. We all thought he was going to get it uh, at the end of this deal. Yeah, that's a really good point, dude. That's a really good point, especially with all these, other, all these other goalies kind of popping up 
out of nowhere, like deep draft picks and like college free agents, guys that are like making their NHL debut and winning, you know, like it, you don't necessarily need to have a Carey Price or a Bobrovsky like eating up all your cap. I mean, it's nice well, to have it's nice to have a Vasilevsky, but there's not a whole lot of Vasilevskys kicking around, is there? Yeah, I think it's. I think there's one lesson for sure. If you look at Montreal and you look at Bobrovsky, you just look at their numbers and and take even the Price injury situation into account. Yeah, ten ten million on a goalie is too much. It's just too much to risk. It has to be. Considering what, he could be in the box or not in the, like in the press box. Yeah, for what you're getting and the unpredictability and all that, it just doesn't seem like it's a smart play to have that much of your cap hit on a goaltender. And, and you know, if you think about it, that's that's $6 million or $4 million, $5 million you're not spending elsewhere. So Right. Well, it's going to be interesting, right. man. I can't wait to see it. Like it's uh, The boys were saying on Overdrive today, and I echoed their sentiment entirely. Like if we could just fast forward and get this show on the road, you know, it'd be great. Um, I guess the one reason why it it is great that it's not coming up tomorrow or next week is that it, it does allow for a better opportunity to maybe be able to watch these games together, eh? Like, uh, you know, get together here and uh, have a few pints and watch the game and, you know, hang out like old days, you know, and back before we were locked down. So at least there's that to look forward to. Hopefully we come out the other side of this lockdown and, uh, you know, we're opened up and we can get together and uh, watch a few playoff games here. That would be the hope there. Dougie will let us. Yeah. We'll we'll wait and see, I guess. Oh, one final quick question. That Matthews goal the other day where he batted it out of midair past the guy. And then so two touch, one touch to bat it down, the other touch to basically corral it. Sling it. All in one motion. Is that the nicest goal he's ever scored? Oh, no way. No, no way. No? No, I mean, his, his uh, I guess, what is it? His second career NHL goal was very similar and probably better uh, in, in my, like, you remember the, the one where the he's, yeah, well, before he stole the puck from Carlson, he batted it out of the air in the neutral zone, put it between right. Mike Hoffman's legs, chipped it into the corner, stick lift on, at that time, you know, one of the best defensemen on the planet, stick lift, yep. and then he comes in and snipes it five hole, right? So I think that one in particular for me, if I was thinking of one, because it's kind of similar with how he used his hand eye and stuff. Like, I think that one is a little better. This one here was so sick because he knocks it down and then he slings it on goal. But if I'm being completely honest, I think it should have been stopped. Like, I, I, I don't think it was like a, you know, short side bar down. There was no room. I think it was a bit of a bad angle, wobbling puck. And I think, uh, was it Jake Allen in the cage for that? I think he. I think well, he was caught off guard. He'd like, he shot so quickly. Yeah, I think he'd like to have it back though, like because on those dude, like those good goalies make those saves based on their angling alone. Versus like when he made that play on Eric Carlson against Ottawa in his first NHL game, like he was coming in on Craig Anderson, pretty good goalie, and he snuck it right through that five hole. And I know five hole is something that goalies don't want to give up either, but there was nothing there on that goal. Yeah, nothing. There was nothing. And he made it happen. Angle. Yeah, but yeah. I'm not taking away from his from his goal the other night. It was it was fantastic. But I think there have been some better ones. Another one that sticks out in my mind, dude, is when he did that one handed tip. He he flipped his yeah. stick. He flipped his stick upside down. I think it was against Colorado or a Western yeah. team. And he and he and yeah. he redirected Top it like crease. stupidly, stupidly yeah. redirected it. Like it's I mean, a tip, tip I'd never really seen before. And I gotta say, like, it's certainly been a good time to be a Leaf fan. Whereas Matthews is 
Matthews has done stuff almost every game that I've never seen before. And Absolutely. Just to watch this guy. And, I mean, he's in cruise control right now going for the rocket. <laughs> I know. It's so sick. And this is to be the first time that a Toronto Maple Leaf player has led the NHL in scoring since 1945 when Gay Stewart did it. So <laughs> I don't know if that's – it just shows how amazing Matthews is or how shitty the Leafs have been for not just our lifetime but our parents' lifetime. Can so it be, can't it be both? Cherish this one, fans. Take this one, hold on to it, and never let it go. Never let it never go, let fans. It go. Never let it go. Because it could be – fucking 70 years before another guy does it it's true it's true well it won't be another 70 years until we record another podcast that is a promise how's that sound let's go sounds good to me bud <laughs> all right well we're ready to wrap it up here on the pucks and d podcast yes sir all right folks listen actually before we do sign off uh we did recently fire up a pucks and deep uh facebook page Right? Let's go. That's what it is. Pucks in Deep podcast Facebook page. Yeah. So head on over if you haven't already. Toss us a like. Share it around. Um, It's going to feel a little bit strange because we don't necessarily have anything right this moment that we are going to be like producing on that page. But you will be able to locate our podcast episodes from the page. Am I overspeaking, Lesko, or is that correct? We're that gonna, we would be yeah. posting the podcast episodes on, there, on the page. With some other content that's coming down the pipeline. Yeah, that's right. Guys. That's right. We and were. It will we, likely be the primary venue for that content. Yeah, we were uh, hopeful. I think one of the main reasons, too, in, in the extended delay between last episode and this episode is we have been working on some things behind the scenes, folks. We're trying hard to produce uh, Yeah, we're trying hard to produce some new content uh, grow the brand. We definitely need your help so get out there, share the brand away Uh, You can always uh, look at some merch as well. We uh, believe we're going to have our merch uh, link on the website or on the Facebook page as well at some point Um, So yeah, check it out on Facebook, give us a follow and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Go Leafs go!